You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, welcome to Houston First. So excited to be with you again. My name is Gary Blackman. I'm the senior pastor, Crossway Christian Fellowship. Love to be with you. Always, I thank Pastor Greg for so much for inviting me to be with you guys again. Your pastor is an amazing guy. He's an amazing friend. And he's a visionary among visionaries. Won't you give your pastor a hand? No, he's not here, but just want to say thank you, Pastor Greg, for all that you've done in my life. Uh, again, you've been on this series, this summer series, and I come behind some great uh, communicators and guest speakers about what God is doing uh, with us in this series called My Life Verse. Before we get started, can I just, just offer a prayer, God, blessings upon us. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just pray now to the Lord that you would open our hearts, that we'd be ready to receive what you want to give us a teacher spirit, teachable spirit, a humbleness to the Lord as we come to Father under the reservoir of your scriptures. And Father, we know that your scriptures are relevant as they are fresh today as they were 2,000 years ago. Speak to our hearts and our mind that Father may we receive, deposit what you want in our spirits, that Father, that we may be the better that we may seek you more. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Before I share with you my life's verse, I, I just want to uh, confess something to you this morning. I have a confession. I just want to share it with you. Uh, during my childhood years and during my teenage years, I wasn't always an angel. Now that probably just kind of deflated you some because you had a high... This, uh, high regards for me, so I hope I didn't lose any respect. But, but, but I, I was a rambunctious middle child, and uh, I got a lot of spankings. Well, back then, we didn't call them spankings, we called them whippings. Anybody got any whippings? And, and so I got a lot of, and listen, every whipping I got I received, I deserved it and some more. I mean, I stayed in trouble. And then one thing I remember about those years is, is I never forget is the voice of my mother. I would never forget the voice of my mother. Whenever I got in trouble, when I knew I was in trouble, when I heard a voice, my mother always attached. I knew I was in trouble. She always attached my middle name to my name. When she said Gary Wayne, I knew I was in trouble. I've, I've been had. And my mother was the sweetest woman that you ever want to know. Matter of fact, as I grew older and I began to mature and I would go visit my mother and be with her and be around her with the rest of my siblings, uh, my mother would but inevitably call me by my name, Gary Wayne. And, and it wasn't a, wasn't a, ter a, a, now a, a term or a name of discipline, on, on, but, but of love. It became a term of endearment to her. And she would always, often when I go and visit her, call me Gary Wayne. Uh, just several weeks ago, my mother, my dear mother turned 89. And um, in 2011, my mother was diagnosed with dementia. And if you are a caregiver with a person that has dementia, you know what I, that's like. And so I would visit my mother and just, this is a true story. Uh, last week I was with her and my siblings, we rotate to take care of her. She still lives in the home. And so the eight of us, we just 24 hours a day, someone is with her. So it was my day. And so we were sitting on the sofa and, you know, I was watching television, sitting next to my mother. 
And just out of the blue, I say out of the blue, but out of the blue, she turned to me, she raised her head and turned to me and she looked at me and says, what is your name? I had never heard that before. And I paused for a moment and looked back at my mother and I said, Gary Wayne. And she, she looked at me with the biggest smile and it was like, wow. I mean, I got so emotional, I didn't know what to do at that point. But that's what my life verse is like. My life verse is heartfelt. It's for me. It is between me and God, this life verse that God gave me years ago when I became a Christian, it was a, it was a verse that God spoke to me as I opened up the scriptures and it's found in first Chron- I mean, Colossians chapter one, verse nine and 10. I wanna read this verse and, and I just wanna impart to you, it is my verse, but I just wanna share with you Again, how God has blessed me. And whenever I'm down or whenever I'm going through something as a pastor or as a husband or as a father, I always turn to this verse. God always leads me back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to deal with verse 11, 12 too, but I just want to read verse 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased praying for you, that you may be, and we're, listen, we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will with all wisdom and understanding, that you may walk worthy and pleasing him in bearing every good works so that you may increase in the knowledge and the wisdom or knowledge of God. When I thought about that verse, what came to my mind and what I want to share with you this morning is this idea, how do you measure Christian growth? Most of us measure Christian growth based on this idea of how do we uh, see ourselves in terms of going to church or how much offering we give or maybe how many verses of scriptures we know. But, but spiritual growth, is, that's not the heart of spiritual growth. I, be, I'm, I think that this, the heart of spiritual growth is this idea of us constantly looking to God and asking God over and over again, God, how do you want me to grow? Well, the first thing in verse 9, it tells us in this journey on spiritual growth is knowing what God wants and how we should live. And God says the very first thing in that verse is knowledge. That I may be filled with the knowledge. The word knowledge, he starts with the mind. It's a Greek word called epikonosko in the Greek. And he's saying the first thing of spiritual growth, it starts in our minds. Amen. It starts in our cerebral before it gets to our visceral. It starts in our minds. Paul is talking to this new believing church. Paul, matter of fact, Paul, as he writes this letter to Colossae, these, these new believers had just come to Christ. He's in a prison. He's chained to Praetorian guards that are 24 hours around. These guards are Caesar's highest guards. Paul writes under candlelight. He's written four, he's writing, written four books in prison, Philippians, uh, Philemon, Colossians, and, Phil, and Ephesians. And he writes these letters, but you would think that he, in prison he, he would be thinking about something else. But he's thinking about praying for these believers. His mind is on these believers, and he takes this perspective and says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God. And this idea of knowledge, epigenosis in the Greek, it is the knowledge of God. It is not my knowledge. It's the will of God's knowledge. And when you think about the will of God, it's twofold. 
The will of God is not only physical, but the will of God is this idea what theologians call the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God is that God, God is, that when he decrees something, it is done, it's settled. It is immutable, it is irrevocable, irrevocable, it is predestined, it's gonna happen. When God said, let there be light, no one could argue with that. He has, a, he has a, a sovereign will. When he decrees something, it's going to happen. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. But in this verse, when he talks about the will of God, he's not talking about the sovereign will of God. He's talking about the revealed will of God. And the revealed reveal will of God is the scriptures. It's the word of God. He's saying to him, I want you to know, believers, that in order for you to grow, that, that you may live a life, and this is a totality of my message today, that you may live a life in order that you may please him in every way. And the first step is your mind. Proverbs says it this way, as a man think it, so is he. Right? Belief determines behavior. What you believe will determine how you behave. I would always, my wife, she, ladies, that's, God has given you something that men don't have. It's called the sixth sense. You guys say, that, that doesn't feel right. We don't understand that kind of stuff. You got to give me the facts. I don't talk about this filth you feel. And my mother would, my wife would, my, my sons, and I have three boys and a daughter, and they would bring someone to the house, and my wife meets them, and they'll leave my, my wife and say, something don't feel right about that boy. What do you mean? You just met him five minutes ago, but I got a feeling. <laughs> right? God says, listen, see, God operates, God operates in the mysterious realm of this idea of knowledge in terms of it's the mind. You got to know. You, when you grow, you have to know. And let me say this. You can write this down, this parenthetically. Listen, anything that's healthy is going to grow, whether people or plants. All right? If you are healthy in knowledge in your mind, you're going to grow. But he says, you got to know. It's in the cerebral before it gets to the visceral. And so Paul is saying, I want you to know. And then he connects two things to this knowledge. He says, knowledge of God is a lifelong journey that requires two things. And I'll give them to you. Wisdom and understanding. So what is wisdom? Wisdom in a word is application. Wisdom is application. It is knowing how to apply what God has spoken to you. That's what wisdom is. God says that you can know God based on the wisdom of God. And when God has given you wisdom, you know what wisdom is. So he says, listen, that you may know God requires wisdom. The Bible says, if any man asks God for wisdom, he gives to them liberally. Anybody got a car, a vehicle? Got to drive a car? Right? 
Is there a spare tire in your car? Huh? I feel wisdom and understanding. Anybody raise that? You got a spare tire? Y'all don't know you have a spare tire. You see, that's the tip is right there. You don't have any wisdom. <laughs> you know you have a spare. Do you know how to put it on? Okay. Yeah. See. See. All, no women hands up. Cause see, all the women got AAA. Wisdom is application. Understanding is knowing. See, here's what happens with wisdom and, and, and understanding. When you have wisdom, it's the sense of application. Understanding is different. Understanding, what understanding does, understanding penetrate as penetrating insight into life situations. That's what, that's what I understand. So when you understand something, you're understanding, you're penetrating that situation in life, and once that happens, wisdom goes to the reservoir of the scriptures and gets a scripture that fits your situation. And what happens is that connects, that, that wisdom connects with knowledge and then feed it to understanding. So when you get that scripture in your heart, now you can use the wisdom to apply to your life and you'll live better. Whoa, man, if I was at church, I, that would be amen. There's a preach, pastor. See, when you have wisdom and it's connected to understanding, that's growth. None of us can live life by ourselves. Psalm says this way, Psalms 115, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. You see, when we have, when we have the, the life of God in us, then the light illuminates our path. It illuminates, it gives us understanding on how we should live. See, we live today, if you're a believer, you live in a darkened, morally insane world. That there are doors opening, there's doors closing, there's opposition. In other words, we live with life as believers with too many options. It's like Bucky's. Anybody like Bucky's? I mean, you go in Bucky's, man, I mean, options. They got all kinds of popcorn, different flavors, different colors. You talking about beef jerky? Man, I ain't never seen that many beef jerkies. And the sodas, they got a back wall, and, and you can stand there and do different flavors. I know some of y'all do that. Strawberry and orange, and you just mix it all together, because you can't. It's options. When you have too many options and you're not applying wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, you're lost. Jesus said it parenthetically. Let me drop this in too. There's only two options in life, really. There's only two. There's the bios life, physical biology, but then secondly, there's the zoe. John 10 and 10. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Those are only two options in life. You can live in the physical and it will get you nowhere. But you can live in the spiritual and you will have life. 
but you can only have life when you are applying wisdom and understanding. In all of your getting, get an understanding. And then he says something else. He said something else so amazing because when you apply this wisdom and understanding, he continues along this journey and Paul continues along and said it begin, but he said this journey continues by walking worthy of the Lord and listen, desiring to please him. Wow. When I thought, now this is, this is the crust, the crust of my verse my life verse, and this verse that I read, the, the one thing that I want to do more than anything else in my life is to please him. See, it doesn't matter who I am displeasing if I'm not pleasing the Lord. And it doesn't matter who I please if, it, if, it, if, if I if found out that I'm displeasing him. As a believer, you ought to want to live a life and grow to please God. And that's what the scripture tells us. How do I please God? Paul said is we cannot please the Lord until we know how to walk. You see that verse there? That you may walk worthy of the Lord. You know what walking denotes? It denotes taking each step at a time. See, life is not like a lightning boat. It's not having some aesthetic experience in life. It is walking each day. It is taking each step, step by step. It is every day making progress. If you're standing still and not going anywhere, you're not living life spiritually. But walking in the manner worthy has this idea you're taking these deliberate steps over and over again. It's a steady, deliberate, day-by-day growth process. And what pleases him the most? That's a question you need to ask your life. What in my life is God pleased with? And then what Paul does in the midst of this, he gives several things that, that, that he said what God is pleased about. Let me give them to you and then I'll be done. He says, the first thing I will be pleased with or God will please with in my life is that when I'm bearing fruit of every good work. Now let me put a pen there. You say, well, pastor, what kind of fruit? See, here's what you got to understand. We do not produce fruit. We only bear fruit. Amen. We are not the branch. We are the vine. That's what Jesus says in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do everything. No, you can do nothing. Fruit bearing is the product of what spiritual growth is. If you are growing, you are producing fruit. And listen, literally, that's not a lot, lot of fruit you can focus on, but really in life, spiritual life, there are only three products of fruit bearing. Three, only three. Christ-like spirit, amen, character, and converts. Amen. It's when I'm bearing fruit, it's when my life is like Christ's life. And when my character is exhibited to the point that I am representing Christ with my life. 
and I am, listen, I am bearing other fruit. I am winning others to Christ, converts. And that's the whole life of the believer is that we come to bear fruit. And if you just listen, if you just live the life and represent Christ, fruit will come. Amen. But it comes as a byproduct of growth. Listen, watch this now. We're not just here to represent Christ. No. We're here to represent Christ to the world. Woohoo! When I thought about that, I'm not just here to walk and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. No! I'm, I'm not here to just represent Christ, but I'm here to represent Christ. I am, listen, I am the visible representation of the invisible God. You want to know what Christ looks like? Somebody ought to be able to look at you and through that, fruit will come. Have you, did, did you ever notice, watch this. Did you ever notice wherever Jesus went when he was on earth, did he always gather the crowd? Man, he got people to follow him everywhere. Now, of course, he was doing a lot of miracles too. And some people were following him for the wrong reason. But at any rate, it was something about his life that was attractive. Let it be said of your life as you are on this journey of life that you are bearing fruits of good works. And let me say this, we may, we may not be called, listen, to do every work, but we are called to be fruitful in our work. You can't do everything, but what God has called you to do, whether you're in high school, whether you're in middle school, whether you're in college, whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're in ministry, it doesn't matter. You are to use your concentric, of, 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 concentric circle of contract in your influence where you are to represent Christ in such a way that people will be attracted to you. If people, listen, you know, again, that you're not growing, is when you show up at the coffee machine, everybody leaves. And it's not because you are a Christian. It's because you need to represent Christ or represent Christ in such a fashion that people come to know him. Here's the second thing. It's in the text. Paul says, when you grow and please God, you'll know him better. When you grow, you'll know him better. Can I tell you something? You already know this, but I just want to emphasize it. We serve an infinite God, don't we? And if God is infinite, listen, then, then, then we, we can get to know him in an infinite way. We'll never exhaust who God is. We, we can't even, you know, we can't even get there. I and mean, we think we know everything. Matter of fact, we think we know so much that we want to question God at some time, don't we? I like the words of Charles Morley. He said this. He says, I had a, I had a million questions to ask God, but when, he got, when I got into his presence, all of them went away. <laughs> Isn't that cool? We have so many things that we can ask God, and God says, all I want you to do is get to know me. Get to know me better. When we please the Lord, it increases our knowledge of the will of the Lord. And when it increases the knowledge of the will of the Lord, then God is pleased with us. So we bear fruit. We know him better. But then that's a third one. 
we experience his power. That's what the verse said. The Bible says in the verse is that we are strengthened with power according to his glorious might for that we attain, verse 11, attain all steadfastness and patience joyly. That word strengthened in the, in, the, in, in the Greek, it is in the present participle, participle. And here's what it means. It means this idea that it is inclusive and indicative of continuous, continuously power being infused upon us. It never runs out. That word all means all. In other words, God does not measure out his power in a thimble. It's like a floodgate. You have access to the, the power, listen, you, you have access to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. That's what kind of power you have, a goosey. You have the power that, that changed water to wine. And let me say this parenthetically. I tell anybody this. If you were to die and they bury you and you get up, I'm following you. Yeah, 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 Call, hook me up, sign me up. Wherever you go, I'm going. That's the kind of power you have. Listen, and let me say this. You have all the power you possess that you need today. You know why? That you have the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to pray, Lord, fill me with, endow me with power. God says, boy, you already got all that you need. You possess power. And he says, listen, when we have the power of God, God says you grow. And when you grow in the spirit of God, then it becomes pleasing to God that he gets, watch this, that he gets to dispense his power to you. Isn't that amazing that God is ready to activate the power of the Holy Spirit in your prayer? The Holy Spirit is in you waving, please grow. He's begging us to grow. But he can't activate the power in you because there may be some level of immaturity. Amen, pastor. Dad, you're not going to let your 10-year-old, at least you shouldn't, get behind your Ferrari. That's too much power. You, you know, you're an irresponsible parent to do that. And God says, listen, as newborn babes in Christ, there's something, but at some point, God says, I'm looking for pleasing Christians that, that I can use my power in them. And God wants to, and that, that was my cry, God, God, use me in a mighty way. And God says, Gary, I want to, but I can't. Because you're not mature yet. You're not ready yet. And then in the text, he ties two things with this, this mighty power of God being strengthened and attained. And he says these two things with steadfastness and patience. I love those two words. Because if he's going to exhibit his power, you need steadfastness and patience. What is steadfastness? Here it is. It's perseverance. It knows how to stick to it. It's not easily given up. And patience is this idea of, of uh, John Piper said this, patience is the evidence of an inner strength. Oh, I love that. Can I drop something in your spirit? Impatient people are weak people. I didn't get no amens there. <laughs> Impatient people are weak people. How many of you like to be rushed? 
I mean, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. No, no, I don't like to be rushed. I'm not impatient. Don't rush me. All right? I see y'all looking at each other. Don't look, at, don't look over there. <laughs> God is saying this. Here's what I want you. I want you to understand that there's maturity in being patient. Here's what I've learned in, in, in my profession. I have some fire from fireman friends here this morning. But I've learned that, that the more you increase in knowledge, comes, listen, the more you grow in knowledge, comes strength and courage. And those things are tied to steadfast and patience. The more you increase in knowledge, the more strength and courage you have. Uh, I just retired from the fire department. I served 33 years. When I came in as a rookie um, firefighter and uh, went to the academy, got off the tower, and, and went to one of the hottest stations in the city. And my first day, well, probably my first tour, uh, I, they put me on the ambulance, and you have MT and all that stuff. And, and uh, we made a gunshot wound to the chest, GSW to the chest. I'm just a rookie. Straight off the tower. And so they say, bag, black one, bag him, bag him. And so I'm trying to bag this guy. And we get to the old Ben Tom. And the, 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 the surgeons used to meet us in the parking lot. Don't, don't do that anymore. He jumped on the gurney and he was riding. And while he was riding, at the same time, he hit him with the beta down. This guy hit him with the beta down, got a scaffold, and cut his chest. I don't mean to be gross. This is my fireman story. And he got some cranks. Now, by then, we're in, we're, in, we're in the trauma room, and I'm bagging, and I am bagging slowly now. And he's cutting this guy's chest, and man, when he cracked his chest, you know what happened? I hit the floor. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to tell you, brothers. I laid out. <laughs> they say, get him out of here. That's not last Get him out of here. Get him out of here. And they drugged me out, man. I was wobbling. And in olden time, they had an observation window. You could see what they were doing in the trauma room. And I mean, it was bad. And all of a sudden, they came, old heads came and said, what's wrong with you? He says, man, you got to get back in there because you're going to see that the rest of your career. See, listen, strength comes with courage. When you do something over and over and again, it gets comfortable. You got the courage. I would never thought that I would go and burn in buildings while they were on fire. <laughs> what? Yeah, it would be out of your mind. My wife said, you sure you want to do this? I can't turn back, honey. Courage. But it, listen, I had knowledge. I had knowledge. I could apply the knowledge. And when I could apply the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of what they was called to do, then listen, it helped me, listen, to grow in, grow in what my field was. It's the same principle with God. God says, when you, listen, when you experience God's power, it becomes, you become stronger and stronger. The Bible says no weapon forms against you will be able to prosper because you have his power and you've grown. Amen. Let me give you the last thing. My time is out. Let me give you the last thing. When we joyless give thanks to him for his glorious salvation. You know what? I think God desires more than anything else that we glorify him because we're saved. 
We have an inheritance that fades not away. And here's the thing when he talks about with this idea that we obtain an inheritance that fades not away in verse 12. He is talking about the sense that, and he goes back to Israel. I can't give you the whole picture of it, but he's going back to Israel. And, and he's basically saying that what, has, what you've experienced, watch this, you have the ability to pass along to your children. Wow. How do you... Do, do you have a joyous, a joyous salvation that when you worship God, your children get to see that? You're not afraid. And when you thank God for the salvation you have in Jesus Christ, man, it becomes a glorious thing. And God and your children get a hold of that. There has to be some young people in here, and you probably was young yourself, that you watched mother and dad, and they came to worship, and they worship God, and they didn't have to tell you a lot because they're influenced. And God, listen, when that happens, it pleases God. He said, that's my child. That's one of mine. That's my son. That's my daughter. And that's my life. That's my life verse that, that I want to grow in the knowledge of God's will so that I'll be pleasing to him in all things. You know what? We can tell. We can tell by how our children grow over time. Don't we? We, you know, you got the markers in your house or have a growth chart and you mark them as they get you know, older. And, or you can look at their, their socks, you know, the pans are flooding. You know, or they start eating too much. You know, they grow when they start eating a gallon, of, I mean, drinking a gallon of milk a day or soda. But, but, my question, here's what I want to close with. How do you know that you're growing in the knowledge of God's will? It is that you're living the life that God wants you to live and he's pleased with you. Amen. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Father, that you've given a desire to your people to want to come to the house of worship to worship you, to love on you, God, to experience your love, and also, dear Father, to acknowledge you that you are God. Thank you, Father, for speaking through us to your word today. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts, dear Father, everything that we've done in this place be accepted of you. Oh, Lord, our God, you are my rock and our salvation. In you do we put our trust. We give you thanks for this day. For it's in the strong name of our Christ we do pray and all of God's people say Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.